thanks to the band. Um, we're just so blessed in this place. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think it is a thank you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Linda. I'm part of the church, <laughs> the church family. My husband's cheering at the back. I think he knows me. Um, part of the church family here at St. John's in South End. Now, I'm not sure, but did we see Fiona and Steve in here? <gasps> oh, it's so wonderful to have you with us. I know you've been watching on the live stream. Um, Fiona's just come back from an operation and stuff, so we're excited to see her today. God bless you, Fiona. So, um, I don't know about you, but what about this tree? Isn't that fabulous? Yeah? I just want to thank everybody who made this possible with all the bits and pieces. Whoever you are, this is a thank you to you guys. Yeah? If you want to come round to our house, I'll give you the address later and you can do that for me as well. So we're in the Christmas season, so I'm just going to touch on it very, very briefly. Um, just give me a nod. You don't have to shout out, but I need a little bit of interaction. Um, anybody got their Christmas tree up yet at home? No way. Becky has got hers. You've got yours? Okay. Anybody got sort of light displays? You know those fancy things you can have outside the houses? Anybody done any of that? Yeah. Oh, oh Dave. Dave Harbage. Right. We'll be popping and having a look at that. Has anybody sent their Christmas cards yet? Oh, dear. You know there are problems in Royal Mail. Need to get a move on, maybe. Now, here's one. If anybody has done this, I don't know. I think I'll have to eat my... Eat my hat, as it were. Has anybody bought their turkey yet for Christmas Day? Have you? Oh, no, that is... Have you really? Wow, wow. Isn't it just wonderful? You know, when we think of Christmas, we know it's a really, really busy season, yeah? There's lots to do, lots going on, busy schedules for all of us. I feel really, really busy at the moment. But I just want to invite us this morning to just press the pause button. Just going to press the pause. We're going to use this time as a time to just pause from all of that. And lots of you know that this is the season of Advent, and Advent is a time of expectation, preparation, and longing. And I just have one question for us this morning. Who exactly are we expecting, and who are we preparing and longing for? So we start this first week of Advent, and we've got our Advent calendar going here, and we're on a journey towards Bethlehem, and we meet, don't we, the Christ child in his humanity, the one in a manger. Now, if you're anything like me, you might have been wondering, as we're starting this season, how will Jesus Christ be received this, this, this season? How is he going to be received? And for me, when I've been reflecting on this, it can seem really ironic that we kind of talk about in this season the Prince of Peace. But yet when I look at my media feed, I don't really see peace. I see the tragedy of war, the ongoing war in Ukraine. I read about hate and despair amongst people in humanity in different places. We read about the injustice of poverty and hunger. And we also read about a lot of lawlessness and senseless 
brutal violence. And it can make us stop and think, where's the Prince of Peace? And that's what I've been reflecting on the past week or so. In this season, we can have a million and one things to do, um, especially the ladies. We can be absorbed in the planning, the cooking, the buying the Christmas presents, sending the Christmas cards, organising various events for people. The entire month of Advent, it can actually whiz past us in an exhausting blur, is how I feel it can be sometimes. Now, for some of us in this season, it can heighten the difficulties that we are facing. You know, especially those that don't have a lot and can't make ends meet. It can really heighten things for people in that category. Um, many of us can approach this season with a real sense of loss. Losses of all kinds. There can be sort of missing pieces, if you like, in our lives. The Christmas carols that we hear on the radio may have lost their kind of usual joy in this season for some of us. Some of us may be preoccupied by worries, grief, and pain, and it just engulfs people. It can just take over. And sometimes we can't explain why, but our feelings and our deepest longings seem to be just heightened at this time uh, during the season of Advent. So what I want to do is just take, I don't know, 30 seconds or so, if any of that is you, for us to just sit with that for a moment and release that to Almighty God. Now, as we turn to God's word for us this morning, we're going to have a really short reading today. We're going to look at how the prophet Isaiah guides us uh, through Advent. And the prophet Isaiah, he shares his vision from God about the second Advent, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there are some people going to be running around in a minute with some Bibles. So if you put your hand up, they'll bring a Bible to you. Um, As they do that, we're just going to pray together, if that's okay. Let's bow our heads while they're giving out the Bibles. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your life-giving, life-transforming word. It truly is a lamp to guide our feet and a light to our path. And as we open up your word this morning, Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us, help us to understand it, to reflect upon it and apply it May the words, Lord, of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you this morning. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our reading can be found on page 687 of the Church Bible. Um, I will be reading from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 the mountain of the Lord. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. 
Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, that's us. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the reading, our prophet, um, the prophet Isaiah invites us to anticipate a time when all people and all nations will turn towards Jesus Christ for his light and his direction. And it is in the glorious hope of the divine promises that Isaiah reveals the victory for God's purposes for his people here on the earth. It's going to be a time when nations will flock to Jesus to be taught his ways and to be taught how to walk in his paths. And Isaiah tells us when this will take place. He opens his reading and says, this will take place in the last days. We're in the last days now, brothers and sisters. We're in the church age, the gospel time. This is the time that we're living in now. And the only other thing that needs to happen is the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who we're expecting in this season. It is Jesus who we're preparing and longing for. And Isaiah states in verse two, if you're still tracking with me in the Bible, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest mountain. Now Jesus is the temple and the dwelling place of Almighty God. And he says in a familiar scripture, which you'll all know in the Gospel of John, when Jesus cleared the temple, he said these words, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. To which the Jews who were listening replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple Jesus was talking about was his body. And through Jesus, the church becomes the temple. As Paul the Apostle tells us, or tells us in Corinthians, he tells the believers there and he's telling us today, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives among you? God's temple is sacred and together, all of us, we are that temple. Now this temple that he's referring to is going to be exalted above all the other hills, all the other mountains, way above Mount Everest, way above anything, any large mountain there is on the earth. This is where the Lord's temple will be exalted above. And people from all over the world are going to stream to that mountain. Can you imagine that? Just loads and loads of people flocking, flocking, to Jesus Christ. And then in verse four of our reading, if you're still there in Isaiah, 
we see that the Lord will judge between the nations and between all people. Now, Jesus Christ is the only true mediator between God and human beings. And we see Jesus at work in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He doesn't just turn up in the New Testament. He's right there from the first words of the Bible right to the last words. That's where our Jesus is. And that Jesus is going to judge between the nations. He's going to settle international disputes between people. And he's going to settle things fairly between the nations. And he will make things right between people. And when this all happens, there will be no more war. It's even hard to even imagine that. Because we live as a people that just read about conflict constantly in some place or the other. But when he returns, he's going to usher in like a universal reconciliation and there will be no more war. If you think about what that day would look like, as Christian believers today, it's the thing that can really fill us, overwhelm us actually, with hope and expectation and longing. Because we know, if we've read our Bible and we've managed to get to the end of it, we know these words that are written at the end of the Bible. It's a time when Jesus comes back, when he is gonna wipe every tear from our eyes. We'll never cry about anything ever again. There will be no more death. Our loved ones won't die. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things would have disappeared, would have fallen away, would have gone forever. So as Christians in this season, that's the hope, that's our message of hope that we can cling on to. And I really believe that that message is the anchor. It's the anchor for our soul. So in this season of preparation, I've got a little sort of thing for us to just think about now. How do we prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Now, we know how we prepare for Christmas. We know all about that. But I just want us to think this morning about how we prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I've just written a few of my thoughts down. We do what Isaiah says at the end of our reading. We walk in the light of the Lord. We put our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. And we trust Jesus above everything else. We just trust in him alone. Now, if any of you have been at Romans Fest, Paul Blackham said the most, well, he, every week he said something profound, but he said at Romans Fest recently, by trusting in God, we have gained, we've, trusting Jesus, we have gained access to God. And I'm quoting his words. He said, we have access to the heavenly help desk. If any of you ever need help, can you imagine? You could just sit there and just say, Jesus, help. It doesn't need to even have any more words than that because we now have access to the heavenly help desk. And as children of the living God, we are to be witnesses, prepared 
in season and out of season, every day, not just on Sunday, but prepared to celebrate the truth about God, prepared to celebrate the revelation that we've had about God through Jesus Christ, and the revelation that we've had about the reconciliation of all of creation when Jesus comes again. And this means that we can look for signs, can't we? As we go about our day-to-day lives, we can look for signs of where Jesus is working. But it also means taking every single opportunity as it presents itself to us to share with people what we have received. We've received the light of Jesus. So just in conversation and interaction, we can share that same thing with people. The other thing that I thought, what do we do in preparation for the second coming? We're to live expectantly. Now, if you live with a sense of expectancy, it's not complacency. We are expectant in our spirits. We're not waiting like for a better job or a change of government or, I don't know, a a better pension plan or anything like that. We live expectantly waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And the last thing that I wrote down as I was thinking about this We're to live longingly. Take our inspiration from the Jesus that we read about in the Bible and look at all the amazing things that he did then, but also for us to look around at all the amazing things that are surrounding us right now. Creation actually displays the glory of God. So just a walk, just going out on a walk, we could just look up and just just glory in the awe and wonder of this, of this planet that he has given us to look after. When Jesus returns, there will be a renewed, overcoming church ready to meet him. There will be a harvest of people that we have never experienced or seen before. Now, all of us as Christians who've read through their Bible, we know the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story. We know but evil doesn't win. God wins. And that's the hope that we have. And that's the hope that we can share with everybody that we meet. Now, I just want to just, just get us to just move our minds, just maybe thinking more outside the doors of here rather than in here, but also in here. I'm sure many of us know that there are people in our communities who are struggling to find hope, They don't even know where the future of this world is going. And these people are all around us. There may even be people that feel like that in here today. But it doesn't matter who we are, where we are, or whether we believe it or not, the whole world is eagerly waiting for God. Every single human being has been created by God to have a relationship with God whether you know it, whether you believe it or not. And until that happens, until you have that relationship with God, there will be this restlessness of soul where people are searching. It's like, imagine it as like a gap within us, you know, and people just go on searching and searching for something to plug or fill that gap. So where does the world go when it's looking for God? Well, it can go, I don't know, to loads of places. My heart's desire, my, I think the best thing that could happen in our lifetime is for us to see thousands of people queuing up to get in the church doors every week. But that's not the reality. 
People are looking for God in all kinds of places, in the sciences, in space exploration, in education, in business, in intimate relationships, in money, in alcohol, in drugs. The list is really endless. That's where people may be searching for that thing that will fill that emptiness, which has been placed in us by the living God, and it's only him that can fill that space. Now, many of you who've come to church this morning, I'm sure are Christians and have given your lives to the Lord. So you know that it is only him that will satisfy the hunger. It's only the living God that can satisfy any of us. And hope for people in here and out there is right here. Hope is only found in Jesus Christ. And it's found in that relationship that we can have. It's a free gift. You know, we go gift shopping, don't we, at Christmas time. But Jesus is still offering that free gift today to people that don't yet know him. And the Apostle Peter reminds us, I'm just going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1. That God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that cannot perish, spoil or fade. And this inheritance that we have is kept in heaven for us, who through faith, and I want you to listen to this, are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. I'm conscious that maybe everybody in here knows the Lord, I don't, I don't know, but I'm conscious that people may listen to this message and have not got a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm speaking to those people now. You may have seen Christmas cards with a baby on a manger, or you may have um, remember the nativity plays when you were at school growing up. And you may have even read it in the news that there are 2.38 billion Christians on the planet. That's nearly a third of the human population. Now, if that is you, I encourage you to make contact either with someone here at St. John's or to go to your local church but I really encourage you today, don't delay. The second coming of Jesus Christ is closer to us today than it was yesterday. And when he comes, it's going to be the greatest event humankind has ever seen, you know, on the horizon. We can't even imagine what that will look like, you know, but we can read in our Bible and get a sense of what it will be like. So I just want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, in here today, to use this season of Advent to the fullest, to the best that we can, because the clock is ticking. You know, the clock is really, really ticking. And I think that as you go out and about in this season, you may have a conversation with somebody, and that small conversation may lead them to Jesus Christ. 
Sometimes we don't often talk about the Great Commission in churches, but it's not changed. When Jesus was going, you know, it's funny, when someone say on their deathbed, you really listen to what maybe some of their last words are. And he's telling us that we're his witnesses and we're to go, we're to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He just gave it to us as a mandate. And then he tells us what to do, and then he ends it with, surely I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So it's like, it's not even about us and our effort, it's about what he does, him plus us, which is just amazing. And I want to remind us as I finish with the words of our Saviour written in the Gospel of Matthew, and he says this. This is Jesus talking to us, his followers. You, all of you and me, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There are people in the world, in here and out there, people around us who are searching. They've been designed with that. They're searching. They're searching for a light at the end of the tunnel. And my prayer is that we all will be encouraged to just meet people where they're at this Advent and be the light in the tunnel. Amen. Let us just pray together. Heavenly Father, we adore you because you have come to us in the past. You have spoken to us in the law of Israel. You have challenged us in the words of the prophets. And you have shown us in Jesus what you are really like. Lord, we adore you because you still come to us now. You come to us through other people and their love and concern for us. You come to us through men, women and children who need our help. And you come to us as we worship you with your people. Jesus, we adore you because you will come to us at the end and you will still reign supreme when all human institutions fail. You will still be God when our history has run its course. And we say this day, we welcome you, Emmanuel. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just want to invite the band back up for me, thank you.